This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Thanks, gentlemen, for joining me for the Sitka Rant Redux, which I, I pledge to not let become a rant. The reason we're here tonight is because that episode didn't go over well with a lot of people. They thought I was unhinged. And it got me to my first indication that it wasn't well received was one of our team members, Jill Grennan, said that I had taken it too far when I said that you either had to, that I was asking people to make a good faith decision to either not, not listen to my voice anymore or to stop buying Sicko. And uh, people didn't like that very much. Um, I, I, uh, in my, my, you know, my, my tongue was firmly in my cheek when I was saying it, but that doesn't matter. I guess it matters to say it, but that, cause it is true, but it doesn't, it, 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 when people don't get your jokes, that's like on you, you know? So I thought we could spend a few minutes talking about the criticisms a little bit that we were, that I received on rock slide forum david you heard some things through the instagram account mm-hmm. and see from a guy who posted on rock slide forum so he was just that mad i think that he had to hit like multiple mediums to let let, let us know that you need to go to aa because your rants are unhinged okay so i say as mad sips on tea yeah and i, I wasn't drinking <laughs> and i wasn't drinking and I, I, I know, yeah i know i told him you were sober as a nun <laughs> Uh, so there are some of the criticisms I saw on Rockslide when I got on there for the first time in probably six or eight months are the same ones that are always there. And then some of them, there's, there's, there's a couple reoccurring ones that I'll never be able to do anything about. I mean, it, it was a foregone conclusion that if I ever started to go public with my views about hunting and my concerns about the future of hunting those concerns were going to be centered on the sorts of things my very famous hunting brother does. And there's just no way around people reaching the conclusion, some segment of the population reaching the conclusion that I'm trying to compete with my brother. That's some kind of sibling, sibling rivalry, that there's some kind of jealousy embedded in what I'm trying to do. And I don't know that there's much I can do about that. I guess one thing is just ask, you ask people to consider the arguments, you know, I, I certainly don't, I get, I get, I don't know if it's worth saying that I don't feel jealous. I mean, of course I'm going to say that. I mean, but there's really, I I, I don't, it's tough for me because really there's only two lives I want to live mine and Colin Jost's who Colin Jost. He's, oh, it's Scarlett Johansson's husband. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think on on that note, I mean, you know, if we had hit record button two minutes earlier, everyone would have heard you say that when you say, I feel like you say this almost every time I talk to you. So you wish that you weren't the voice of this, that somebody else would be the voice and you just be in the background. Um, and I don't know, like, if people will believe that at face value, but I can say for certain that I'm not a 
going to blow smoke up anyone's ass. And when Matt says that, it's very obvious that he means it. Um, so it, I think that should dispel any, you know, superficial reasons for you doing this. That and the fact that we're not making any money. We're I just losing big, time. I think that's a big point is there's what's what is it if you try to extrapolate the whole jealousy thing out where does it lead i mean what what do you everything that you do is not to make money or to to promote hunting it's to do pretty much the opposite you know and i'll point out that matt you and i have talked about this multiple times that the level of sacrifice that you've made for this endeavor uh it's cost you relationships uh it's the the price that you're paying for for your devotion to save hunting i don't think people realize it yeah and you're not making any money off of this no I think, I think everybody needs to be clear that there's no monetary gain out of any of this this is all just pure passion you know yeah and all the time we're doing this, you could be, you'd be out fishing, could be just, if they thought you were just selfish, you wanted to keep everything to yourself, you, why would you sit behind a computer and try to expand public access? You'd just be out there finding the places you can keep to yourself until you can't do it anymore. Okay. So we've established that at least the four of us believe my heart's in the right place. Uh, <laughs> the, the, okay. So there, there's, okay. There's a couple of criticisms that I, I are actionable one of them is that i interrupt people too much i see that a lot and i gotta work on that and that's it i don't know you can't, you guys can't help me with that i just gotta become a better podcast host it's so hard though because sometimes it's, without interrupting it's impossible to get your whole point through you know especially as you as somebody that pauses as much as i do because i don't know there's yeah. this, there's this I don't have a rapid and I don't have a, a, a high-speed internet connection between my brain and my mouth. Yeah. Unlike me, I just like black out and keep talking. And then I'm, I realize like five <laughs> minutes later, like, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> then the, then, uh, then I make attempts at, at humor. They're lost on people, you know, like the bit where I'm like, don't ever listen to my voice if you're going to continue to bicycle. I, I just, in my mind, I'm thinking nobody is actually going to go, oh, I'm not welcome to listen to this anymore. But it's <laughs> some people feel yeah. that way, you know. Well, that's There's where that whole. I felt like when you were saying it, it was tongue in cheek. I felt like it was tongue in cheek with some element of truth. And I, I definitely understand that frustration because, like, running the Instagram. I get DMs from people all the time. They're like, yo, man, so on board with Hunt Quietly. Like, da 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 And I go look at their profile. And they've got like 2,000 followers and some like brand, you know, tagged in their bio. And they're like, obviously trying to become a hunting influencer. I'm like, how down are you really? Like, you know, actions speak louder than words. And at some point, you know, if you actually believe what we're talking about at like above 70%, I would think that you you'd implement some actions in your life to align with that philosophy and not just say so, but maybe I'm just, that's too idealistic of me. But 
that that's the compromise that eventually some point we're going to have to make because we're we're not going to be aligned with everyone on everything we just yeah. got to reach that what's that what's that point is it 80 20 85 15 90 10 where 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 is that point where everybody's comfortable with and we're we're all moving in the right direction it's just some people veer off the trail a little bit and then we got to get them back on yeah yeah, it's, it's it's surprising to me that how well the, okay what you just said, David, reminded me of our interview with Laura Grossbeck. Um, do you know who she is? No, she Laura's outdoor life is her Instagram profile. She's oh yeah, I think I set did I set you up with her? No, Matt did. Matt, Fine that's right. Yeah. And yeah so yeah. here's a person that is doing all the things. She she's attractive. She's sh- showing her hunting life and displaying her hunting success by any reasonable conception. She is a hunting influencer. But she she very much dislikes inst- women insta hunters, mm. and in so in her mind, there's some distinction between what she's doing and what other people are doing. And I wonder if it's that way with some of these other folks that reach out to, and thumbs up you for what we're doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, people definitely go through what I would consider some degree of like mental gymnastics to to say why what they're doing is okay. And it doesn't fall into like the lump of what we're talking about. Um, and like on Jim's point of like, it's almost like what's the hunk quietly rubric? Like, what do you have to do to like, truly like be on board with us? Um, and I think not like the absence of trying to be an influencer is 100% like a must. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're trying to be an influencer if like if i'm not to quite me, like, there yet <laughs> yeah if i were to go steal like gold gears instagram and hit you up and be like hey i want to pay you like 10 grand to go on this elk hunt and wear all our clothes like you in and you would say yes then you're not like that's just that's that's not right you'd like you'd have to be willing to say no to something like that all right so david nomar what did you think of the article? We're talking about an article published in Outside Magazine recently entitled Hunting is Having a Moment, But Will It Last? And it profiles a snowboarder that is has discovered bow hunting for elk and sick of gear leveraging this famous snowboarders connection to the snow sports community to try to bring more people into hunting to, uh, to, to sell clothing. Mm-hmm. So, and what, and one of the many things I take issue with, I'm just going to say one, one new point that I didn't say before. And then I'm going to let, I'm going to really ask the question to you guys and let you guys roll. 
is that I really take issue with the fact that they did not disclose what it would cost Joe Schmo to do the hunt that is profiled in the article, which the the amount is $21,000. That's what it costs to hunt elk in the Wasatch Range on the Desiree Ranch. And I didn't, I didn't articulate this. I didn't articulate this at all, but one way of expressing my concerns is that it's the same ex- concerns. It's, it's our three, my concerns about our three very concretely personified. It's not enough to sell products to the existing hunting community. You've got to bring people in and sell the products to them. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what, this uh, this effort on the part of Sika re- represents to me, and one of the one way of saying why I'm I'm troubled by it. I'm also troubled yeah. by any 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 like that the that the ethos that the, the gravity and the ethos and, and the spiritual component that is attached to taking a life for sustenance. It's just it's a different posture than the posture associated with snow sports. So I'm going to let you guys roll. That's my take on the whole thing there. Yeah, it when I read this article, it reminded me and 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 thought about it a, a bit more. It reminded me a lot of when you were on media the first time, and there was some comment made about when you talked about how hunter recruitment really serves to feed the hunting industry's profit margins in a lot of ways. Um, somebody made a comment about like, you know, I've been in this business like a long time. I've never sat in a room and heard people, anyone say like, Oh, we're going to recruit hunters so we can sell them gear and make money. Like that's not like, there's not some like conspiracy or like some, you know, secret, like hunting Illuminati group that's like behind closed doors doing this. But I think that's just a misrepresentation of like what marketing really looks like. And this is a perfect example of exactly that happening, going and finding someone who doesn't hunt, paying for them to have a big hunt and getting them to put it on their social media so that you expand your audience to a non hunting group. Like the snow sports community is exactly that it's sick because trying to get people interested in hunting and when they get interested in hunting and they see sick clothing with the, the person that, that facilitates that interest, they then build that association are that much more likely to buy that product. I mean, Bud Light does it all the time going through influencers. They did one recently. They got them. Uh, didn't go so well. But companies all the time are using social media to do this kind of pseudo over marketing where you're just following somebody you follow because you're interested in it and they just insert themselves into this lifestyle portrait you're getting via Instagram and their products right there, just like product placement in a movie. And, and this, I mean, I can't think of a clear example of the hunting industry going after current non hunters to make money. Like that's exactly what this is. Omar. Well, the biggest part to me was, at the end of the whole article, they say, oh, and he gained 3,500 new subscribers to his account. And I mean, that's that's a, a big bullet point to them. So I, I'd like to extrapolate that out and think 
what's what happens with those 3,500 people? How many of them are going to think, oh, this guy can go do it, not knowing that he was squandered and basically had his hand held through the whole entire thing. These 3,500 new subscribers or followers, they don't know that he went on the guided hunt. That's a once in a lifetime thing that's not obtainable for the person just getting into hunting. That's not some, unless you're, you know, rich and have, $25,000 to spend, it's not obtainable, you know? And like, it's just, I think the whole point is vote with your wallet, you know? Like the whole thing that's going on with, like you just mentioned, David, you just mentioned Bud Light and Target and whatever else that are having all these problems is people can use, you can use your wallet to vote with, you know? And there's just better options out there that don't have agendas, you know, like Sitka's obviously, I don't know. I know that they do whatever they cover their asses by, uh, uh, donating to nonprofits and stuff like that. But their agenda is their bottom line. Their agenda is to produce new hunters. Obviously with this whole snowboarding article incident is to produce new hunters, which is to generate new income. That's not conservation. That's not, you know, having an eye on the future of hunting. That's not worrying about um, access or or lack of, you know, lack thereof. It's just how can I make more money? Since the article was out and we did the podcast, Matt, and even today, just thinking about some of the comments on the rock slide um, threads about, about the, the podcast and whatnot. A lot of people feel like that Sitka does more than their fair share for conservation and, and access. I don't know. So I can't say one way or the other, but having talked to Phil and Jill uh, members of the group, it sounds like they they do contribute. So I guess we should be prepared to have that conversation with with the fact that some of these folks do their share, but are also in the business of of making money and selling product. So how do you find that balance where you can tolerate? their marketing plan, which was absolutely to go after a new set of potential hunters that are outdoor enthusiasts that happen to be snowboarders. But you offset like what they do for hunting and conservation. I don't know the answer. I'm just, I'm just posing that to the, to the group to think about. Yeah. But is there, is there a balance? I mean, doesn't one, negate the other like if you're generating 200,000 people interested in hunting versus your whatever amount of dollar amount you donate to nonprofits doesn't one negate the other you i i don't know yeah i think you'd have to look at the the numbers well they, if, they, they, they don't there's take a loss a, go ahead david i was going to say there's all, i think just putting the money into the nonprofits is 
not effective enough to really uh, like make that equation work because there's it's not like one dollar goes that they make goes through to conservation you know nwtf spends like 36 percent of their budget i think it is on like conservation the and the remainder is like overhead like acquiring funding and some r3 stuff um you know delta waterfowl is like in the 30 percent range too i believe um I can't remember where DU was. I think Pheasants Forever is higher, um, maybe over 50. But, you know, there's lots of efficiencies there. And ultimately what it comes down to is in order to, like, offset bringing new hunters in, we need to, like, acquire new, like, publicly accessible land. You know, there's, like, in my mind, that's the only true offset. The habitat work... We should just be doing that because we care about the resource. You know, that's what our hunting license is supposed to go to. That's what like people should be spending some of their spring and summer, like volunteer time doing. And that's what like the nonprofit should be focused on. Like to me, that seems like a no brainer, but what we're not talking about is people want to grow hunter numbers, like to create safety and, you know, strength the numbers, whatever it is. But, you know, at the end of the day, they need somewhere to go. And well, isn't, we don't, isn't, we don't uh, have that kind of concerted effort. Uh, I'm agreeing with everything uh, all of you are saying. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I'm just putting it out there that that based on some of the comments, we do have to consider trying to weigh the positives versus the negatives. For sure. But I mean, one thing that just makes me so damn suspicious is that they're also teamed up with a company they they they're highly intertwined with a company that's do like doing the opposite of access, right? What, land trust, no uh, whitetail properties, whitetail properties, oh, whitetail right. property. Yeah, yeah, all valid, valid points, and and it's the these are the conversations that we have to push them on. That maybe that partnership isn't in the best interest of the the publicly accessible hunting. Because it's in dire need of help. Do you think they care the at this point? Like, do you think anybody from Sitka found out about th- this and cared? I'm um, for sure. You think so? Yeah. I'm, care? I don't know, but they definitely heard that episode. Uh, I, I someone there listened to it for sure. Yeah, I think I think they have the pulse of of what's being said and what's going on. I, I think they do. Cam Haynes and Joe Rogan, we found out do. Yeah, that yes. which is wild to me. Yeah. The other thing, and your point, Jim, though, that I would say to these, like, to the pe- these pe- the people who question that, there's like another side of this equation where, you know, not like not only is the money that they're putting into conservation not like going straight through, it's almost like it's almost like we're talking about like trickle down conservation economics here, like buy expensive gear. So that that money makes its way a little bit down to conservation instead of money just going straight into it. But if you buy sick of gear, you're paying for that marketing. That guy's $20,000 hunt. Like if you have a sick of jacket, like you paid for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you that's paid, Yeah. You that's, paid for his hunt. Is that really what you want your gear company to be spending on money on? Like if they cut all of their social media marketing, imagine how much cheaper they can make their jackets. It's got to be like I would imagine, but ten percent of like their cost budget at least at some level, like the amount of marketing they do and all the partnerships they have and all that stuff. 
But just just think about the cost of a full outfit, jacket, pants, all the layers. Yeah, I mean, what six people that that it took to fund that hunt for that snowboarder? Maybe less in gross revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what? What? I think. I think one way to say what we're trying to do with some of our efforts is get get companies to allow them to be rewarded with clients based on their business practices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we could make it so that it was a major selling point to work on access. That could have, yeah. you know, like that, 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 like that was their way they advertise is by showing what they're doing for access. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, there's already a model for it out there. If they can show like tangible, you know, proof that they're doing something for access, then that's, you know, a different story. What yeah, is, the model's what's the model, there. David? Patagonia. Everybody, all, everybody who's like even remotely outdoorsy or thinks they're outdoorsy likes to buy Patagonia because it makes them feel good. They feel good about the ethics, about how things are made. They feel good about what Patagonia stands for as a company, what they do, like how money goes, how the money they put back into the system. And, you know, it might not even be that much. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know where their money goes. It's like totally private or I think... Yvonne Schoenard moved into a trust now or something, but he's never like sold out or made it public or anything. So that those financial details are very scarce, but they people feel good about it at least. And it's similar to like, you know, like grocery chains, like Whole Foods or like Trader Joe's because of the, at least the way they present themselves, people feel like they're doing better by grocery shopping there because it's, you know, it, they, it gives the, at least the appearance that it's better for the environment without, and that's without them using influencers or doing it like Trader Joe's doesn't like market hardly at all. Mm. Um, so the model's there. You don't need people wearing your stuff on Instagram to be popular like that. You know, Patagonia started back in the day with true like like outdoor athletes or whatever you would call. It. I don't know if they've made the switch to Instagram influencers like um, was it North Face or Columbia? I can't remember the company. There was an article about how they fired their true pro staff. And then hired a bunch of Instagram influencers mm. um, who were like not really pro athletes. And apparently a lot of them had never climbed on their own. They like only did guided climbs. Um, but, you know, it, that doesn't have to be the, the business model. And I think I, mean, I always, you know, I've, I've adopted this mentality of the approach they should be taking build is build it and they would come. If I walked up to a trailhead and it said on there, access to this property is sponsored by Sitka or whatever, you bet your ass I go buy some waiters. Oh, yeah. If that's what you're putting your money into, like 100%. Yeah. I'll pay $1,000 for waiters <laughs> if it gets me more properties to hunt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. How do you make access? Oh, okay. How do you make access cool? They should I think also- it's the coolest freaking thing, man. Like, What could be cooler than uh, the company you buy your jacket from to buy like buying properties every year for you to hunt on yeah there isn't is there not any hunting company that that does this as part of their advertising right now 
not I, mean, I, I can't, know of. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I know of nonprofits that do it. Like in Virginia, I definitely saw DU, Delta, and NWTF signs at certain WMAs because um, they, you know, helped build an Oxbow Lake or were taking part in the, uh, um, um, like prescribed burning and stuff like that and have 10 management projects, but never a private company. No, I don't know of any that are doing it. We need at our, at our work projects for hunters for access. We want them to be competing to see you can put the biggest banner up. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're trying. That's what we should be trying to go for, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I can just picture it now, like people who are big fans of like first light or sick or something, they would go on like going on Turkey. They'd go on Turkey tour of first light properties or whatever. They'd be all about it. People would be all on that. And definitely some of those properties would be crowded, but you know what? People might go there instead of some other place. And at some point, if all the entire hunting industry was putting all this money into buying properties, it gets to the point where it wouldn't, there'd be, you know, the volume would would make up for certain ones being more popular because you know campaigns purchased this property so everyone wants to go run an ultra marathon up the hill and try to shoot an elk at the end is the is it a better approach to, to for the hunting if the hunting industry decide they really wanted to look out for the sportsmen and, and work on making sure people that they're bringing in have a place to go would it be a, is it a better approach for them to work on buying land or facilitating access to private land. I think well, there's, only, there's only a limited way. quantity of land to buy. There's only a limited quantity of land to buy. So uh, most of the land's already bought. So facilitating access would probably be the, the better direction. Yeah. There's definitely like, I see in Colorado at least like, en- like enough ranches go up for sale here and there. Like, you know, nothing like 20,000 acres, but 600, 700, 200 acres between two SWAs I saw recently where they could make them continuous. Like, they could, there's definitely room, I think, for acquisition. Um, but I think, I mean, I, the, 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 like, the Nature Conservancy has the model for that between like acquisitions and, and, and conservation easements. You, you know, they've conserved 100 million acres close to it, I think. Um, so if, if the hunting industry could do that with access attached to it, I mean, isn't know, there like a protocol for it has to be close to like a larger property with the, with an importance, um, whether that's environmental or, or, or what have you, but they don't like buying States and, and, and the federal government doesn't like buying properties that can't be attached to a, another property. That I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't I surprise either. me if they're just trying to expand existing like WMAs and stuff, but I don't think it has to be that way. I, I, I don't see a reason why you could only do it that way. Yeah. I had it. Especially had an episode with limited entry. I've got an episode that I recorded with the nature conservancy and they, they were telling me that they've kind of, uh, have, have started to emphasize conservation easements and buying land less. Really? Why is, why is that? They're just they're just evaluating the, their their objectives and 
I guess, determining that in a lot of cases, their objectives are better served through other means. Like habitat work? Yeah, habitat work, science. I interviewed a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I already released that episode. He's a bio, he's a an ecologist in Southeast Alaska. He works on on uh, black-tailed deer. So they have a lot of they have a lot of biologists, and they do a lot of habitat work. Yeah, they so they do a lot more. I realize now that they do a lot more than just orchestrate conservation easements and buy land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at some point too, I'm sure they like you get enough land on your belt, and then you start to look at that land. You're like, well, am I really conserving nature by just letting this sit here, or do we need to do some work on it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, there's just a lot of different models that they use. I mean, my wife's ranch is in a conservation easement, and they do all kinds of timber harvest and thinning there, and active management of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, we have to do a little bit of everything. And I think the biggest thing the hunting industry and the hunting community is missing is acquisition of lands or, or public access on private lands, which yeah. is like, that does not seem to be at all a part of prior, the priorities for anybody other than pheasants forever, as far as I can tell. Yeah. 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 I, and, and I mean, one of the things I'm harping on all the time is I, I believe that, the hunting industry and the hunting celebrities are bad for access. I mean, they, they have this negative effect on the cost of access. And so it, it'd be nice to see them work hard to, to offset that in some way, shape or form. I, uh, I'm trying to get as many people out here for these work projects on August 5th as I can. And, I reached out to a few folks today. I re- reached out to Ben O'Brien and uh, Randy Newberg and um, and Lantani. It'd be great to get some, you know, some of the folks up that are that are very public in the hunting sphere out here and 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 you know show some leadership and demonstrate a little bit of um, giving back in that way. You know. Hmm. Did you get any responses? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, but uh, on a positive, I mean, I mean, I just sent the text to them a few hours ago. But on a positive note, we are getting quite a few people signed up to come out and help. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why we're like, like the last week or two. There's been a lot of focus on one company and two guys. You know, Cam Haynes and mm. Logan. We gotta definitely gotta give the, those entities a break. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just been a topic of today. <laughs> all right, did we at all? You guys think we at all smoothed it over? I'll I'll say I apologize for my demeanor. Um, I I you can continue to. Buy sick and listen to me. It's fine. Whatever. Or more likely buy sick and not listen to me. Whatever you want to do is going to be fine. <laughs> Just be honest with yourself. That's all that's all I would ask. Yeah. And and consider gold skier instead. 
the the takeaway for better for worse is that you know pe- people are listening and hopefully this what we're doing gains traction and we keep helping the cause and and we we help conservation and access I mean, that's why we're doing this right yeah 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 it's a big experiment i mean the one of the there's a few things that i find rewarding about it look getting better at having recorded converse trying to get better at having recorded conversations is it's a struggle but it's worthwhile even if i've i'm not saying i've improved but i enjoy this process of trying to improve and the other thing is just the experimental aspect of what we're doing i mean i'm learning i'm going to learn something about human nature for in general i'm going to learn something about my own human nature from being involved in this so, mm-hmm. yeah and i think a, the message we sent here too is that we're not we don't think we're like ironclad by any means like we're we're totally open to the fact that maybe there's something else we need to consider maybe we're going about certain things the wrong way um and you know we record stuff like this to to catch up on those things and we've changed our instagram presence we've changed some of our focuses like a lot of things have changed in response to criticism that we believe is fair so yeah absolutely yeah if you're not if you're not critically evaluating when you're what you're doing as you go along with something like this i think your prospects are pretty dim uh i don't know like there's something to be said for some kind of a strong stance you know mm-hmm. but, it's, but, it, but yeah there's just got to be this like there's got to be some flexibility and there's got to be some rigidity and and figuring out the balance there is it's pretty important yeah can't be a pool noodle but you can't be rebar either yeah 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 and i guess yeah that's the one of the more intellectually challenging things about this i think the some of the people on rock slide just didn't like that you gave them an ultimatum but they didn't catch the they didn't catch the uh the humor in it you know I don't think, you know, you were trying to come down with a hammer, but they're just people, people want to think what they want to think. They don't want to, they don't want you to tell them what to think. Yeah, I think you're right. It's opposition defiance disorder. (laughs) There's a a part of the reason I'm the wrong person to be hosting the podcast is because I'm from the Midwest and there's just a lot of shit talking that goes on in the Midwest. A lot of it. I remember yes. I was telling Jim today, Jim's from the same kind of culture. It, I was telling Jim today, when I moved out to Montana in my early 30s, I quickly realized that I had to moderate my like approach to communicating with others. Like they think that your opinion is more, they would, people would tend to think my opinion was way more set than it is just because of how adamant all right gentlemen if that if that's if that covers it i'll i'll uh, let you get on with your night and i i really appreciate you taking the time to help me clear the air a little bit and hopefully do better going forward try to become a better podcast host and try to be more constructive for the future of hunting for this generations and generation and those to come that's what i'm all about believe it or not 
Yeah. Believe it. Okay. Good night. All right. See ya. Night.